Where better to start with the Muppets franchise than the very first big screen adventure? Oh, okay, apparently I have to be handed a note to say this is actually the seventh movie. Anyway, here's that song from that movie. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Maniacal laugh. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your me, 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 me host, Dietrich, and we're joined by uh, not quite a mop and not quite a puppet, but man, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> so, so what was it again? Not quite a mop. Not quite, not quite a, a puppet. <laughs> not quite a puppet. Not quite a mop. Not quite a puppet. <laughs> You've seen The Simpsons, right? You've seen the joke before. <laughs> Why is that one Muppet made out of leather? (laughs) (laughs) And we're also joined by a frog halfway down the stairs, Ben. I feel like I've got a frog in my throat. (laughs) Halfway down the throat? Which which everyone says is the stairs of the the human body. (laughs) 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 You've often said that and I've wondered why. (laughs) Now you know. I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. I never know which version to play, whether or not Alex wants to give like as, as a fresh rendition of Cha-Cha-Cha every time. Yeah, well, you know, Candy. Right, guys, what, what have you been watching? I had, I had a weird reflective moment after I watched Heat and then watched Point Break and started to wonder, am I trying to decide whether to get into a life of crime and not knowing whether it's a, right, it's a good thing or a bad thing? Because those films don't tell me. <laughs> I can't tell. Is it better to be a Pacino or a De Niro? Is it better to be a um, Reeves or a Paul Walker? The Patrick Swayze Peter from Donnie Darko. Swayze. Wait, what? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it's Peter Fowler from Donnie Darko. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Is but is that Patrick Swayze though? It is. Yeah. Is it? Okay. It's just not shooting McGavin. I remember shooting McGavin is in, in Donnie Darko. <laughs> is he? I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Shoot. So they're great films. And then I finally watched Doctor Strange, and I don't think I liked it. Lots of Dutch angles. Man likes a Dutch angle. <laughs> it's just a very boring 6 out of 10 film, as we said last week. I liked the bit with, um, is it Black Bolt? Yes, that is. That, 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 I think that sequence is probably the best bit. Yeah, I really sat up and paid attention for those like 8 minutes, and then I went back to um, being whelmed. How are you, Alex? I watched a film called Mothering Sunday. Which was on Amazon Prime. It was alright. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really recommend it. It was like a historic, like a film set in like nineteen twenties. It was kind of. There's a good film in there somewhere. It was kind of. <laughs> you know, it had a lot of good themes, and it was based on a novel. So I think the novel probably is. Be- it felt like you know when you're watching a film, it's based on. I mean, like I can see why this works better as a book, and probably was more successful as a book. And it, it was very much like that. So, but it had a good cast. Like it had Olivia Colman in it and Colin Firth. And um, that guy who's in everything who plays Prince Charles in The Crown. Um, so, yeah, yeah, good casting. Yeah, who plays Prince Charles in The Crown? I've never watched The Crown. I've never um, watched it either. He's in a lot of Is things. it like a really left field like, pick to, like, you know, uh, appease to modern audiences like Martin Lawrence or someone? <laughs> modern audiences, Martin <laughs> Lawrence. No. I mean, Matt Smith is in The Crown, but he plays Prince Philip. If I saw a press release saying in the next series of the crown prince andrew was being played by like martin lawrence i would be on it i'd be in there i'd be i'd be binging all the other seasons just to catch up 
So, so I know how this is going to go down. Yeah, same to be fair, to be fair. Prince Andrew has been in the crown, like a young Prince Andrew, but it was not played by Martin Lawrence. <laughs> His name's Josh O'Connor, if you wanted to know the actor's name. That is not Martin He's Lawrence. been in many things. You will know his face. He has been in God's Own Country. Blue Streak. Um, oh, Emma. that's a great film. He was in the Doral's TV show. So yeah, he's the main guy in, um, well, one of the two main guys in God's Own Country. Okay. So, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Wouldn't not recommend it, but also wouldn't like go out of my way to tell somebody to watch it. That's my uh, yeah. summary of the film. Classic. In preparation for the Amazon Lord of the Rings TV show, me and my wife have been slowly making our way through the Middle Earth films, so we've watched the first two Hobbit films. Ugh. The first one, I, I liked it, but it's one of those things where you're watching it going, I've seen the superior version of these films. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. basically the Hobbit, isn't it? So annoyingly, like you can just be like, it's just been done better. It does have some bangers in it. The music and the the way it looks and like the whole like world, it looks so good on screen, but these Hobbit films, the, the plot is just, it's paper thin and they're having to bulk things out with a song yeah. that takes like 15 minutes to be fair the song is uh, in it's, the novel it's, it's, it's a banging song <laughs> <laughs> we are not going to do the Hobbit films until we've done that song that Pippin sings in Return of the King yeah but I think the, the main thing I've watched this weekend if you want to join in it's coming home it's yep. coming home no it's, it's home it's, it's, home. it's, it's already home. home we fucking it was, did it it. Was, it never it couldn't come home if it was here it was in the stadium already it would have like, the only other option was it leaving home I didn't think that we'd actually see us become European champions in our lifetime. At the time that this podcast goes out, Germany is still trying to get the ball out of the corner. (laughs) (laughs) It's an absolute masterclass of shithousing. It really was. I've never seen a German footballer lose their cool as much as that last five minutes of extra time. Yeah. So angry and I was (sighs) here for it. Straight to my veins. It was about time that we were the shithouses. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I looked at like the past winners, and I think there's only ever been like I think there's only been like eight or nine competitions. <laughs> it's, and it's just all Germany except for like the odd one. <laughs> so yeah. they didn't need and the Netherlands. Yeah, Germany have won it eight times. Netherlands have won it once, and I think Norway's won it once. Yeah, and I now think Sweden maybe won the or, or like the the first one. That first one, though, I think, if I'm rightly, it was literally just two teams going. Just yeah, we'll, we'll 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 just play against each <laughs> <We> other. <laughs> Much like when uh, people go, Sir Alf Ramsey got us to a semi final of a Euros. It was like, there was only four teams in yeah. the first tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Ralph. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this week we present to you a breakdown of all the songs in the movie The Muppets, but mostly Man on Muppet. That's a reference to uh, The Muppets. Anyone get that? <laughs> yeah. Somehow got it's it. It's an obscure reference. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Are you, am I just going? Yeah, yeah, go, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I was waiting for like a lead in. It's been it's been a long time since I've done this episode, so, you know. Yeah. So yeah, we're going back to November two thousand and eleven, which is not that long ago. Eleven years ago. And people were learning what they didn't already know, and that was that they were beautiful. As One Direction <laughs> released their debut album Up All Night. I think we've covered the, the, the collapse of One Direction before, but now we're covering the beginning did you guys see that recent video about how the band was formed during that season of x factor uh, yeah how liam was saying that he was the uh the lead singer <laughs> oh god yeah which he was on the x factor he was the lead singer he of was, one yeah. direction as he soon was. as x factor finished he was relegated to third place <laughs> 
Yep. But what I loved about the video is like, the, the, it, was it Niall that they picked first? He was like, well, I've got to be able to build a bed around Niall. That was Louis Walsh, yeah. so wasn't it? Yeah, well, I think it was Louis Walsh. They were just like, essentially, these look good together. These look cute together. But I feel like Nicole Scherzinger should now be like, um, given credit for the formation of One Direction. I think that's what came out of the video. Something else that was happening in November 2011. Minecraft was originally released. Are oh, wow. you two Minecrafters? Is that no. the collective term for people who play Minecraft? I don't know. Completely passed me by. I think it's the first like, yeah, pop culture phenomenon that just yeah. didn't resonate with me. Do you think it just came it just, just too late, wasn't it? It was just kind of in that period after we'd kind of stopped really playing loads. But like, I still get the appeal of like things that have come after our sort of like you know, sort of our late teens, early adulthood. Fortnite. Like Fortnite. But I can see the appeal mm. of Fortnite, and I can see the appeal of a lot of things that come, but I just could not imagine just sitting for, like, what some kids do for, like, six hours and just build things out of blocks. <laughs> Did you ever play The Sims? Like, I played Rollercoast Tycoon. I was say, and Roller Coaster Coaster Tycoon. Yeah, but... What, Lego? I, I, was, I, was, I was terrible at Lego. <laughs> terrible at Lego. Rollercoaster Roller Tycoon yeah. is a great example, and, like, <laughs> Theme Hospital and stuff like that. Yeah. I love those games. But yeah, unlike you, Ben, I can see the appeal, but I would never play But they it. were better graphics than Minecraft. <laughs> I just, I, I don't get it. It's still huge. Yeah, still, yeah. still big. Still massive. So um, <laughs> there were a lot of films that came out in November 2011. Big yeah, yes. month for movies. Um, I'm going to list a few. Some of them good. Some of them, well, I'll let you make up your mind. Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Oh, no, sorry. A very Harold and Kumar 3D Christmas. Terrible. Yeah. Let the franchise yeah, down. Yeah, shocking. Absolutely. Let <laughs> the franchise <laughs> Jack and Jill. Oh, wow. Now that is a, uh, that's a Orson Welles level <laughs> creation. How about Happy Feet 2? The Happening. I... The Happening. <laughs> the Footing. There were some good films. Tyrannosaur. I don't know if you've seen Tyrannosaur. That's a very good oh, film. Oh, yeah. Well, that's um, Dark as Sin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The artist, obviously a future Oscar winner. Hugo, maybe a slightly misunderstood film. I think it was quite good. <laughs> misunderstood. Yeah. Arthur Christmas, oh. which I think we can all agree is one of the best Christmas films ever made. Oh, brilliant Christmas film. Yeah. And then, of course, The Muppets, <laughs> which is what we're doing today, as this always happens. So, um, The Muppets. <laughs> it was directed by James, I'm going to say Bobbin, but it could be Bobbin. Um, I'm willing to be corrected on that. Who... Some people may know, may not know. He was involved in a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen's projects, like the Ali G show and Borat and things like that. I think he directed wow. Borat, maybe. Um, and also Flight of the Concords, which will come up a lot in this episode. And it was written by Jason Siegel and Nicholas Stoller. It's the seventh theatrical film featuring wow, the beloved Muppets. Yep. And it stars Jason Siegel, Amy Adams, Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, Gonzo, etc., etc. <laughs> as well as a co-worker of the Waldorf, so no. Uh, as a cohort of cameos, including, of course, Jack Black in his uh, probably his finest ever role. <laughs> the story follows the new character of Superfan Walter, who, along with his brother Gary and his girlfriend Mary, convinced the Muppet Collective to put on a show to save their iconic theatre from an evil oil baron. Um, so, what do we think? So, when I saw this for the first time, I liked it, but I didn't think it was great. I had heard very good critics' responses to this. But I'd just seen Muppets Most Wanted before seeing this at the Ooh, cinema. Okay. And so I saw that one first and I enjoyed it. So I went back and watched this one, only to find that there was a lot of repeated jokes and themes and like the meta-iness of it mm. was all there. So it sort of ruined this film, despite the fact that I know that makes no sense because Most Wanted is the sequel to this film. Like literal yeah. like <laughs> picks up the second this film ends 
and disregards the credits. <laughs> Which is quite fun. I enjoy that. Yeah, so watching it back in preparation for this episode, this movie really worked for me and it all felt really fresh. I guess maybe I need to go back and watch Most Wanted because I, I liked that at the time. And now maybe I'll agree with everyone else that it wasn't as good as The Muppets. <laughs> I was trying to think about whether I have like a history, because a big thing about this film is nostalgia. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I have a connection to The Muppets a rainbow through connection. nostalgia because I, I should have tried. I should have done it. I should have done it. should have done it. Delete my notes. Because my only connection to The Muppets is a few of the films which I, I loved as a kid. I love Muppets Christmas Carol. I love Muppet Treasure Island. But I've never really watched the TV shows. I don't feel like I've got that nostalgic connection that I think a lot of critics had, because I think most of it is callbacks. I do like this. I just can't always put a finger on why, because we'll go into it. I don't think the songs are all incredible. Um, I think there's something, I don't know, just beloved. Like it just is in the zeitgeist of you see Kermit and you're like, Oh, this is good. I like you, Kermit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you do, I'll watch you doing anything. I think it's the physicality of it. I think that's what I like in the humour. If you go and read old reviews of like the first Muppets film, a lot of the praise is like, we can see the legs. We can actually <laughs> see the legs. How is Kermit riding a bike? It does still look incredible when you when you watch that. It, in a mo- yeah, but in a modern sense, it's like, you know, that's gone now and there's a lot obviously of techniques that they've learned. But just the physicality of using puppets. And I know a lot yeah. of modern films, maybe in the last 10 years, have gone back to the physicality element away from the CGI mess that was the early noughties. I think it helps the humour a lot in this, just that the, the feels like there's a, a texture to them alongside Jason Siegel and alongside Amy Adams that just feels nice. Mm-hmm. My biggest criticism of this film, I don't like Jason Siegel's face. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's quite a big criticism because it, it pops up a lot. When he smiles, it's too fake. I, I, I liked How I Met Your Mother. I find him funny. He's probably one of the better people in the show. But <laughs> this smile that he does is just... It looks like he's dying behind his eyes. <laughs> if you watch the, some of the songs, you watch him back, he's just got this proper, like, proper shitty grin. And I want, him to, I want it to go. It's surprising you say that because I actually, I actually really enjoy him in this film. <laughs> I don't know whether it is the corny and cheesiness. I think that kind that's of that's why I enjoy about it. He leans into it. Yeah, he does. Well, yeah, it's yeah. very meta. It's very self-referential. I imagine there's a lot of callbacks to things I'm not even aware of. Mm. But I enjoy it. I won't say I'm enthralled by it. I would still rather watch Christmas Carol or Treasure Island. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of the same as you two. I think. I saw it in the cinema actually when it first came out. I've, I've, I think I've seen Most Wanted D, but I think it was it was I didn't see that one in the cinema, so I think it was a few years later, and I didn't remember loving that one as much. So I'm very much with the critics on this one. Yeah, but I I think when I saw this the first time, I was like, this is amazing because the, the previous Muppets film was um, Muppets from Space, which is from 1999. Oh god, that is absolutely shocking. Film. Um, which isn't great, and I think put some respect on the Muppets Wizard of Oz with a shanty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> But I didn't have um, much of a rainbow connection to the um, nice. <laughs> TV show either, because my entire knowledge of the Muppets is based on basically the two films, Treasure Island and, and Christmas Carol. So actually, when I saw this, I was like, oh, this is this is great. And why haven't I always been watching the Muppets? Uh, but I think there are a lot of callbacks to things in the TV show, and obviously the uh, end sequence with the whole them putting on a show to save the theatre. And there's a lot of references there to things that that maybe go over the heads of someone who's not like a keen Muppets fan because it does seem like there are a lot of there's a lot of lip service but I think it probably isn't over the top because of it doesn't in, it doesn't interrupt your enjoyment of the film 
Do you want some facts? Let's have some let's have some but film from, facts. From, yeah. So um, the film was a critical and commercial success, and it grossed one hundred and sixty-five million dollars worldwide. A budget of forty-five. Big. Yeah, very very substantial. Um, it garnered praise for its humor, its music, and much like Space Jam, which I feel like there's a little bit of connection here, um, a revitalization of the characters. Because I did actually write in my original notes, did it deserve the Looney Tunes Space Jam treatment, <laughs> which is a callback <laughs> to an earlier episode. It outgrossed every previous Muppet film, but I don't think that's surprising. But it became no. the highest grossing puppet film of all time. <gasps> Even more so than Labyrinth? Even, well, <laughs> Labyrinth the puppet film? I guess it might. Yeah, yeah. Him. It's got Frank Oz all the way over it. And he's got puppets on it. Mm, okay. It's the best puppet musical film. Oh, no, sorry. I'm thinking of Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> very, very different. When you said it, the first thing you did to me, I was like, what, that, the thing, what's the thing with the hands, the eyes, and the hands? Was that a puppet? <laughs> no, dance Magic Dance and David Terrifying puppet. Uh, yeah, yeah, David Bowie. Okay, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, of course, Labyrinth. So originally the film's titled The Greatest Muppet Movie of All Time with three exclamation points. Um, and another former title of the film was The Cheapest Muppet Movie Ever Made with only one exclamation point. <laughs> I can see why they went with just the Muppet Movie. Yep. So cameos, we spoke briefly about cameos. There's quite a lot of people who do feature in the film. But when the film was originally leaked, the, there was a, a leak of the script and it suggested that this list of people would feature. And I don't know if these people are too famous, but let, let, I'll go through them. So Vince Vaughn, probably could see him in it. Yep. John Favreau, yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe see him uh, in it. Christian Bale. Yeah. That would makes no sense. Ben Stiller, Steve Carell. Yeah. yeah. George yeah, Clooney. Easy. I mean, Jack Black Ooh. is in the film. Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme. <laughs> now that would have been good. Would have been interesting. Uh, Matt Damon, Anne Hathaway. Emily Blunt is in the film. Bob Saget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to market the film, the Muppets appeared on TV shows across the world, including The X Factor with Ollie Murs, which, I mean, must have been the highlight of their career. Not his, obviously. Um, <laughs> they also featured not, on well, Saturday... not the highlights of Kermit's. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Um, they also featured on Saturday Night Live and the, this one for you, Monday Night Raw. Yeah, it's, it's one of the best episodes ever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> they were on Monday Night Raw. They were on Monday Night Raw. And, and what I enjoy is on, on the part, on the thing that I read, it said, they interacted with several WWE superstars, including Jack Swagger, Horn yep. Swoggle, and Seamus. <laughs> that Seamus. Have you seen that Seamus bit? I mean, I know I watched it at the time, but you're going to have to remind me. <laughs> yeah, so it's like Seamus bumps into Beaker and he's like, oh, how's the family? <laughs> um, I'm sorry I couldn't make the family reunion. How's Aunt Teresa or <laughs> something like that? Um, yeah, so but apparently Seamus, uh, gingerhead wrestler, for people who don't know, is part of the Beaker family. Beakerverse? Yeah, Beakerverse, part of the Beakerverse, that works. <laughs> the PG world of WWE as it was. It was, no, yeah. No longer. Not no anymore. anymore. No longer. So they, right, so they created spoof trailers for this film, which uh, appeared before um, actual cinema releases. Oh, really? uh, poking fun at films that were released in the same year. I'm going to list them and I'm going to see if you can guess the films. You probably Ooh, won't nice. be able to with a lot of them because they're nothing. Some of them are really on the nose. Some of them are just like, I don't see how that's related. So, films from the year 2011. The Fuzzy Pack. The Hangover. Uh, Ooh, Hangover Part 2, D. I'm going to give that to you. But yes, Very well nice. Done. Well done, D. Being Green. The Hulk? Being Green. Close. It is a superhero film. Terrible superhero film. Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern. God. Two for two. Right, this one. This one's really difficult. The pig with the froggy tattoo. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Yes. <laughs> Abnormal activity. 
Paranormal activity. Three. Right, yep. Dancing on happy feet. Obviously, we've already mentioned happy feet too, so I won't. Mm. won't Fussing boots. Fussing boots. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Clever. Breaking prawn. (laughs) Twilight. Twilight breaking dog party. So, there was some pre-release criticism of the Muppets film from some previous Muppet performers and Ah. the film's portrayal of the characters. Retired Muppet performer Frank Oz, um, who is one of the main originators of the Muppet characters, initially disapproved of the script and thought that the early version was disrespectful towards the characters. But after the film's release, he did modify his earlier statement, and he said he thought that the film was really sweet and fun. A little too safe, a little retro... A little too safe. A little too safe because he says, I prefer a more cutting edge in the Muppets. I think that must be a reference to the TV show because I feel like the films that I've seen, there's not really anything controversial no. No. happening. If anything, it's taking very obvious, very basic stories and just having them be a bit zany. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, classic. That's all the Muppets needs to be, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, I think if it was a complex story, it wouldn't work. Yeah, I mean, to go back to the reference to Space Jam, he says that the Muppets never really went anywhere and they were still part of the subculture. Would you agree with that? I think I, I probably would more than maybe... The, I mean, it's difficult to know because obviously Space Jam came out in 1996, so I don't know what, what the world was in between the years of when it was stopped <laughs> showing in 1996. Whereas with this, I think we've already discussed that we maybe had a connection to it. Do you think that there was a wave of a generation that didn't know what the Muppets was until 2011? No, I think because, especially Kermit and Miss Piggy, I think because, the, again, because they've got a physicality, you can pull them out quite easily and, and have like a cutaway gag, say, like on SNL or like a Jimmy Fallon or something, and, you know, you just throw them in. Whereas you can't do that with Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck. You just, it's just, it's harder. Um, so I think it's, it's easier for those things to die down. Whereas Kermit, I think, will always stay relevant because he can always be used in a lot of things. Yeah, it's very versatile. He's also in a lot of memes. He is a very popular meme, you know. <laughs> the one where he's drinking the Lipton's yes. tea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Darth Kermy. Yep. I just wanted to say, I really wish there was like a proper Muppets museum that they teased in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It annoys me. There isn't like a real proper Muppets land in any of the Disney parks. There's Muppets, There's not a Muppets I... studio. I know there's like, oh. a, there's like a shrinking, ever-shrinking Muppets courtyard in Hollywood Studios. I mean, it has a great show in it, but like it's it's tiny, and they, the Muppets deserve better. It's funny you mention this because I didn't actually look too far into it, but there is a, there is a part on the Muppets Wikipedia page that is just entitled "Theme Parks." I think they do have a lot of presence in the parks. Just it's like they, they get plonked here and there, and they do like little little shows and stuff. But oh, I, see, I feel yeah. like they need to have like an actual proper "I'm going to Muppets Land" sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, or yeah, the studio because cool. it's right it's right there. Yeah, like for the puppets to be in museums and stuff so you could see them. Because yeah. like if you go to Bradford Media Museum, there's like a lot of Wallace and Gromit like scenes and things like that and characters from like Captain Scarlet. And it's kind of cool just to see the actual size of them. Because like there's a full-on scene uh, from The Wrong Trousers. You know, the one where he, the part where he steals the diamond when he's upside down on the roof. And they've got like the full set. It's quite amazing. Anyway, so let's move on to the music. The film features five original songs, along with songs from the outside world like Me and Julio Down by the Schoolyard uh, by Paul Simon, We Built This City on Rock and Roll by Starship and comedy covers and a few remasters of their classic songs like the Oscar-nominated Rainbow Connection from the original 1979 Muppet movie 
But yeah, barring pictures in my head, which we'll come to obviously when we talk about the songs, the other original songs were written by Brett McKenzie, who you may know as the non-Germain Clement member of Firefly of the Concords, is how I was <laughs> um, So Disney weren't sure about the sort of 70s power ballad slash show tune style that he goes for in the songs, uh, which again we'll come on to. And Mackenzie described their concern in interviewers. They wanted less Harry Nilsson and more Hannah Montana, which I think sounds funny in uh, 2022. But obviously, Hannah Montana was kind of the contemporary pop music for the time. But it wasn't the only concern that was expressed about his writing of the songs. He made a few Muppet faux pas. The Muppet performers best. He rewrote some of the lyrics where the characters directly refer to themselves as puppets. Um, because apparently they never do that. Um, they see themselves as fully-fledged people in society, or animals, I guess. He was also informed during recording sessions that certain Muppets, such as chickens and penguins, do not speak and instead vocalise in onomatopoeic sounds. So I think he must have written some dialogue-esque parts of the song for the Not animals. a fan. That's not the way it sounds. Like, he just went, ah, Muppets, I'll be easy. I'll just, I'll just write some stuff. <laughs> just, yeah. Not yeah. actually like a fan who'd ever watch it. <laughs> Who's got the Oscar, Disney? Well, both Wait. of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think Disney have got quite a few. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that actually, dear, about him, because um, there's quite a long-form interview uh, with him in Rolling Stone, which is actually about Muppets Most, Most Wanted, because he did also, he was consult- a consultant on the songs for that film. But he talks a bit about the experience of this film, and he, he essentially out says that he was never really a huge Muppets fan as a child, although he was aware of it. <laughs> So is that the kind of person you want writing songs? Possibly. We'll find out. So the first song, um, original song, so we're only talking about the original songs written for the film, is Life's a Happy Song, which bookends the film musically, first appearing when brother Gary and Walter waltz their way through Small Town, which is the name of the place where they live, to pick up Mary for their trip to LA. So what do we think? Yeah, so when I first watched this movie, I, I don't think I've really thought much of this song. Like, Not much to write home about. It's a positive vibe and it puts a smile on your face at the beginning of the movie, so tick in a box, job done. But since I've rewatched it the other week, out of all the songs, it's the one that's stuck in my brain the most. It's a real earworm. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> massive earworm and I clearly should have rated it higher, much like this movie in general when I first watched it. The, the way it's sort of filmed is like, I, I really like the sort of classic musical aspect to it and being a guy that's obsessed with Disney World, I, I love the sort of 1910s, 1920s idealistic Main Street vibe mm. throughout the entire thing. Ben? Uh, once this song gets going, I absolutely love it. I do like the terracing effect, you know, where it, it builds and builds and then eventually is a full-on musical ensemble number, more or less. It's one of those weird things where I think if you listen to this on, say, like the album, I think the diegetic element of it, it can be a bit off-putting because of the sort of use of, I guess, other tools to make sounds or like the kind of non-singing elements of it, you know, like when they're getting dragged when he says brakes on the bike. And I think that doesn't help it in just a pure song sense, but it makes it work well within the film. But once it gets into the full-on crescendo element, it doesn't matter, and it's just awesome. Everything that yeah. I need. It's just so catchy. I think, like, when I when I saw the film the first time, this actually was the song that was really in my... was was the song that was just turning around in my head repeatedly over and over for, like, months. And when it was announced that it was one of the latest songs that had been nominated for Best Original Song, I was like, 
because I was like, oh yeah, song from the Muppets. It's the song from the beginning that the the one that goes, I've got every like Dee was just saying, and then it wasn't. I was like, that's surprising because I really enjoyed that song. Is it a hot take to say it should have won? <laughs> Maybe should we say it? No. Uh, I've done it. I've done it. Well, I don't know. It's we'll on the airways now. You said it, <laughs> but yeah, I just I love that it's like a proper musical number, and I do like you say, but it like builds. I, I I agree that when you listen to it on the soundtrack, and this is the soundtrack. This is a flaw in the soundtrack. Generally, there are too many dialogue heavy parts. Yeah, because it doesn't like if you if you listen to a normal musical soundtrack. I think often because there are a lot of dialogue kind of lines that are sung, it works better. But with this, it's just like there is literally just like dialogue from the film interspersed between the songs. Some of the songs, like Me and Who Lay Down by the Schoolyard, is in the wrong place for the album because it's actually the first song that features in the film, which I get, but it annoys me still. And it features in the soundtrack <laughs> actually where the song Cars by Gary Newman features in the film. And it bothers me every time it comes on. But anyway, <laughs> um, so a couple of tidbits about the song. So it features cameos from Mickey Rooney, and dating it somewhat, the musical pop star Feist. Blink and you'll miss it. And most people won't even know who she is, I'm sure. But she did that song that it's went... Feist the 1, 2, 3, 4. It's the, <laughs> it's the 1, 2, 3, 4 song. Because yeah. Yeah. it wasn't until recently when I was watching it and my wife said, that's Feist. And I was like, who the heck is Feist? <laughs> and uh, yeah, now, he, now you know. It was the first song that Brett McKenzie wrote for the film. And at the time, he believed it was the only song he was writing. So he only signed up to write this one song uh, because he was friends with the director, um, Bobin, or Bobin, Bobin, Bobin. And so, yeah, he just like signed on to write this one song and obviously ended up writing more. He describes it as a successful musical number, but also a parody. If you parody something too heavily, though, it falls apart. So it needs to work for itself, which I think it does. And I think that's kind of, I don't know if you guys agree, but I think that's kind of one of the good things about all the songs is like they're jokey but it's not overblown like it feels like they're genuine songs in themselves especially this one yeah. and and um man on muppet they shut down hollywood boulevard for two evenings to shoot the finale um so that is the genuine hollywood boulevard and they had about 100 extras in the dance see, number see the thing with hollywood boulevard is though it goes on forever because they, they shut down the whole thing then <laughs> <laughs> there's some parts of hollywood boulevard that are not nice <laughs> <laughs> like it goes so far that you get out into some very dodgy areas. Maybe that's the, one of the areas they used. Maybe that's <laughs> Maybe it was easy when to the, the Holly, you know, the Walk of Fame. Like if you start it at the actual end of the walk, it takes about a hundred names to like get to people you recognise. I think there's a guy <laughs> in the night. Like every generation that goes by, as you become less relevant, you move further away from the Grauman's oh. Chinese Theatre. <laughs> <laughs> Who's right outside the front door? Um, Mickey Rooney, of course. That's why he's yeah. in the film. <laughs> Literally, actual, actual Mickey Rooney. Just, just green. No, he's people. dead. He's dead. <laughs> but, you know, just too many jillikers. ripping people's scabs off. Um, <laughs> so, the song was originally titled "Everything Is Great," which obviously a reference to the opening line of the song. I don't know why they changed it. When did the Lego Movie come out? <laughs> maybe that's why. Was the Lego Movie after this or before? Uh, Similar yeah, time. After, after, this. after this. Um, so maybe they stole it from this. Who knows? The director, uh, Bobin, Bobin, was disappointed when he learned it was changed. I don't know. I don't know why. He was, I mean, I think it said he was saddened was the word, which seems strong because um, I feel like the sort the name they went with still is fine. I don't know what you guys think. I don't know why you would be upset about that. Uh, no, I don't. It seems but, trivial. Yes. <laughs> unless he unless he suggested the line. Yeah, maybe it's like a royalties thing where <laughs> yeah, it could be yeah. royalties. he was going to get more money if it was called the other name. So the second song is Pictures in My Head, which was the only original song not written by Brett McKenzie of The Flying Concords, and it was written by 
Gianni Lurie, or Genie, Aris Arcontis, and Chen Neiman. Um, and it's sung by Kermit as he walks through his mansion, reminiscing about the heyday of the Muppets. Yeah, so the floor is open. Any song that can include the word smorgasbord is good with me. <laughs> I, I like, I like it. I, it feels, it's like, it feels like it's the Rainbow Connection attempt. Mm, um, that's not just because it's Kermit singing it, but the tone of it, the stripped back, it's just like a piano. I know, I know. Again, it layers and terraces into the bigger again ensemble bit. But I think it works. I think it's nice. You, you almost ride the nostalgic wave, even if you haven't got that level of connection like for example talking about myself i don't feel like i did yet i felt warmth when it comes in i think it's helped by the visuals again i think yeah if i was just listening to this song i wouldn't get that i've not got enough of a connection but i think the film does it very well to you know how he, what he's walking through the halls and looking at the pictures and they come to life i think it does well but it's not rainbow connection yeah yeah it's, it's not rainbow connection but i still think it has that real gut punch hitting you in the feels like, I mean, given the context of, like, the state of where the Muppets as a franchise was at the time, it almost feels like it was written as, like, the send-off, saying goodbye to the Muppets. I mean, thankfully it wasn't, and thankfully for me, holding back the tears, I know it was only the, the second song in the movie, so we still have a while to go. Cause, uh, the thought of not having Kermit and the gang on the screen again. Uh, I could do I could do without Miss Piggy, though, because I don't like Miss Piggy. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Miss Piggy fan. No. But I hadn't really thought about the fact that, like, this song maybe doesn't work without the visuals. I just wrote all my notes based on watching it, but now you've put that thought in my head, a lot of it doesn't really work because like it, they're no longer like memories yeah. coming to it's life. It's not callbacks. Yeah, it's not callbacks. It's just like, oh, Kermit's in a room with Fozzie whilst he makes a joke. <laughs> yeah, it do- I completely agree. It doesn't quite work the same way when you do listen to it back on the soundtrack. Whereas Rainbow Connection does. <laughs> yes. Hence why yeah. it won best. Well, no, it didn't win, did it? It was nominated. Um, it won the song of my heart. W- won the song of your heart. Yeah. This song reminds me the most of the songs from the early Muppets films, which I think is probably intentional because it's pro- obviously it's a song about nostalgia and the good times and the, and the previous Muppets escapades. So I think it works in that sense. I think it is a very visual in terms of, yeah, like you say, there are those cutaway bits that, you know, like where they come out of the uh, picture frames, which is actually interesting because there's quite, there's quite, um, I read a bit about that, the filming of that scene because you don't really think about it, I suppose, when you watch it, but it transitions from a flat 2D image to moving Muppets, which yeah. is quite a technical feat, actually. I think it caused them quite a lot of challenges when they were actually producing it. They, can't, they essentially had to have like the picture and then they had to kind of take the picture out and leave the space behind and have them up it's in the exact same position that they are in the pictures and then move them oh, in. Oh, wow. So it was quite... I just assumed it was CGI. No, it's not CGI. <laughs> it goes back to what you were saying about them like really being tangible. It's yeah, it's an actual yeah. effect. Yeah, you, you, you really see that effect when, I think, is it the electric mayhem at the end? It really, you sort of see the transition yeah. and it, it does look impressive. Yeah. yeah, so when you watch it next, have a good look at that because I think it was difficult for them to film. Kermit has been quoted as saying about this song, it was very emotional, <laughs> and I think it will disprove critics who've said that the frog can't emote. Who says that? <laughs> critics, apparently. I thought that's all he is. Dickheads. He literally is the emotion of the Muppets. <laughs> yeah, he's the soul. Yeah, he, literally, if you had... I do think it's, I think you could get rid of any other Muppet, but if you got rid of Kermit, it's not going to work. Agreed. Like, I mean, I like the, I like the Muppets. I, I, I think you could get rid of most of them. I, you could get rid of Animal who is a favourite, 
but you just can't get rid of Kermit. I don't know if I'd watch it if Gonzo wasn't it. <laughs> you could <laughs> and should get rid of Miss Piggy because they're in an abusive relationship yeah. and he needs help. It's not healthy. But yeah, I think generally this song is nice. It probably doesn't quite hit the heights of some of the others, but I think it was intentionally trying to be more sincere. And I think it delivers on that. Yeah. Yeah, let's go to the next song, which I'm sure we'll have loads to talk about. So it's called Me Party, and it is sung by Amy Adams and Ben's favourite Muppet, Miss Piggy, as their respective characters try to enjoy themselves, despite frustrations with their significant others. So yeah, what did we think about this song? The 70s vibe is cool, like I guess, but it's very much a filler song. <laughs> it almost feels like Amy Adams had a contractual agreement to lead a song in the movie, uh, so it couldn't just be put on the cutting room floor where it probably should end up because it doesn't add anything to the movie. We've already had it explained that she's feeling lonely mm. and that that's that's about it. It looks nice. <laughs> but like the, uh, the border, but yeah, move on. <laughs> it, it does feel a moment that is cheap to express in song. <laughs> Even at my age now, I still find many scenes in films to be so awkward that I need to or want to fast forward. I, when she starts dancing in that room, <laughs> I feel the shivers on my spine. My hair stand on end. I want to turn away and off. And it's not the most awkward song in the film, because we'll get to that one in a minute. But um, I just feel for the actor, there's something palpable. I'm like, oh, Amy, you you, you deserve more than this. Yeah, You're going to go into a rival soon, Amy. Don't worry. You're going to be in a huge, amazing film. Just put up with it. I know you did Ella Enchanted, so people think you're a musical girl, but you're going to go on to bigger, better things. It's so funny you mentioned that, because when I was watch- when we were watching the other day, and my wife said um, that... It's not, Ella- it's not Ella Enchanted, it's just Enchanted. It's just Enchanted, yeah. yeah. She was like, oh, it was a bit of a coup that they got Amy Adams for so someone's like, this was before Amy Adams was like nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when she was just Disney fodder. When she was on The Office. She was in the office, yeah. She was in a couple of episodes of the office. I think, I think, like you said, it feels really un. It's just unnecessary because I feel like they've already sold how she's feeling. We don't need the song to do it for us. Yeah, the thesaurus gag is is funny and and it sends the feeling across. It's not like this song is trying to really get to the heart of how sad she feels because it's like a seventies dance song. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's an odd one. I feel like it's just fill. It is filler. Exactly like you said, I had the same thought. It feels like contractual. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and as you said, Ben, it's awkward as hell to look at. So let's move on. Oh, it's so awkward. To maybe the more awkward song, uh, or certainly more awkward scene. Incredibly. Oh, oh, I feel it now. It's called Let's it. Talk About Me, and it's sung by Chris Cooper as Tex Richmond, which I think is obviously a great name, who uh, taunts the Muppets with his success, and they tried to bargain with him for their theatre back. Um, so yeah, before, I mean, there aren't many facts on this one either, but no, what do we think? We just said it, it's like one of those things where I, if I was to fast forward it, I'd fast forward it so quick far, because again, I feel for this actor. He's a guy I recognise by face, which is hard (laughs) when I'm trying so hard to not look at him, because it's, why? Why do they need a rap song? (laughs) Why do they need a sort of a hostile, in your face rap song? I, I don't know why. I'm, this isn't rhetorical, guys. This, can you please Anachronistic? Answer me? I don't know. But, uh, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Did make me laugh. Think is what they're going for. It, it feels like the Donald Glover thing he's uh, song that they do in community. You know, when they do the rap. The, bibli- the, the um, Spanish one. <laughs> no, no, not that one. There's one where they do a bit more. Like, it's just like a cutaway and they're doing a rap. Well, you better not be talking shit on that Glee episode. Uh, I think I am talking that one. Yeah, that's the one. 
It's the best episode. Mm. Anyway, let's talk about me. It does make me laugh. And it, it, to me, it works better than the previous one. I don't think it's as cringeworthy because it finishes before it really starts to get under your skin. It's played as a gag and that's all it needs to be. If there was a second verse, maybe, I could feel what you're feeling, but I think it, it, it's in and out fast enough that it, it's just it's just played for a laugh. Yeah, it is mercifully short, and the film it is longer on the soundtrack. Ah, well, again, as before, I'm only going with the movie yeah. version. Chris Cooper, who is the actor who, uh, yeah, like you say, is someone who you've seen in things. I, f- I feel like he's good in this film, but it, I feel like they could have... I don't know if it seems like there, sh- there was someone more famous that could have been in this role. I don't know who that person is. Maybe Christian Bale. <laughs> um, but he, he said that he had a ball recording uh, and filming this scene. Um, the the other great fact uh, about this is that it was choreographed by Mickey Rooney's son, who is called when? Michael Rooney. <laughs> Those are the facts you can find about it. I think I kind of err more in, on your side, Dean, that I think it just about cuts it at the right time before it gets a bit like Ugh. but yeah it is cringe it is cringe to be, to be fair maybe the cuts help it like it helps break it up it's when you listen it to it as bit, whereas Amy Adams has a good sort of 20 seconds where she's dancing in that room <laughs> and it's almost like a nightmare of like you know you, you want the other people to just join in just like again that scene in Enchanted where she's walking through the park and everyone joins in do you want it to do that just did they all start da- dancing and it's like the first song and everyone's in on it, and it's always a big laugh, and we're all rubbing shoulders. And no, they don't care. They're in their real life, in the real world, and you're trying to turn this into a musical. I mean, no one cares. No one cares. Okay, so the last song. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Is it weird that there's two songs next to each other in the film, a couple of minutes apart, that both are called something me? Oh yeah, that's true. That is weird. I think I think it's it's odd that there's. Five songs, but they do feel quite awkwardly placed. There's a decent gap between the first two. There's a big gap, and then yeah. there's a gap between the second and third, and then third and fourth come really quickly after each other. In fact, the, the, the last three come quite quickly after each other. Yeah, I'm going to say Man I'm Up is not yeah. soon after this either. So it's kind of odd because there is obviously the a Life Is Happy song closes the film as well. But yeah, it's I think it's because they had so many other songs there to get in there, like Rainbow Connection, like the Barber Barbershop Quartet version of Smells Like Teen Spirit, which is immense. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's get on to the last song, which is arguably the most famous song from the film, um, and it is Man or Muppet, performed by Jason Siegel. Peter Lintz, who is the voice of Walter, as many as well as other Muppets. Bill Beretta as the Muppet Gary, who is also a Muppet performer, and then Jim Parsons, of course, as the life, the human version of Walter. In the film, Gary and Walter wonder LA, questioning their true identities. Are they men, or are they Muppets, or are they somewhere in between? What do we think? It's just so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so good. You get the feeling that when they were putting this song together, and, and the scene, all and everything together, they just knew they had a home run on their hands. The, the way it's filmed, I, I know, Ben, you said you don't like the fact that Jason Seagal's face is uh, Jason Seagal's face. <laughs> no, I don't, I, don't mind it when he, I don't mind it when he's not happy. He's, I'm fine when he's not happy. I'm going to say, because in this scene, it, it looks like he's having the absolute time of his life <laughs> in doing the sort of over-the-top dramatic music video in the rain and then the stuff with the piano. Oh, yeah, I love that. I, I'm fine with it. I, I like the guy. I just don't like it when he's smiling. Even though it's not even like in terms of cameos, a very big name in Jim Parsons, the reveal of him as the <laughs> the, the man 
version of Walter. It's perfect. Yeah. If you if you were said to describe which actor looks most like a human version of a Muppet, <laughs> you think of Jim Parsons. <laughs> and it's staring you in the face the entire film. It's scary. It's scary, and it is actually quite scary. Yeah, I don't know why I wasn't expecting it. And even when I watched it back, it's still a great reveal that's still, like I say, it's a home run. It's just perfect, this, do you, the scene, the song. We have a winner. Do you think it's confirmation that Jim Parsons can only play Sheldon? Or that everyone only ever sees him as that kind of slightly um, socially awkward individual that he does play on The Big Bang Theory and his career is dead? I don't, I don't even know if he cares. Like, I don't think he of, cares, yeah, because he's probably he's, he never has made, to act again. Sure. And still make with young Sheldon. Oh, God, how has he got three seasons? I can still remember the sound of awe and laughter when he appeared in that mirror in the cinema. Like, it's one of the things I remember most about seeing the film at the cinema was the reaction that it got, because it was like it was like a collective, like, yeah, that's perfect. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> they worked backwards on that scene. Yeah. <laughs> do you think in 10 <laughs> years... Do you think in 10 years it works? Because people will not Maybe. have a clue who he is. <laughs> yeah, it's questionable whether people will know Jim Parsons is at that point. But at the time, everyone knew who he was and it worked. Yeah, he was, he was the, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what do you think about the song then? I I like it. I, I don't know if I like it a lot. I come in and out. Uh, I think the wordplay is incredibly clever and simplistic at the same time, which I think, like, you get it, you understand it, you can sing along with it. While it still has that, you know, back and forth, am I a manly Muppet yeah. or a Muppet of a man? They do it very well. It's very Fly of the Concords, I suppose. Well, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I wonder why. I always find it funny when there's, um, I guess, a narrative song in which they're going from being kind of, what am I? And I don't understand what turns them to understanding what they are. <laughs> like, the refrain is doesn't give me anything, really. I know there's like a slight cutaway where there's like Kermit saying, speaking and stuff like this, but... I don't see how they've kind of, I guess, accepted that they're, yes, they're in the middle, but they do it very quickly. <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I, I'm not going to exactly sort of rip it apart because of that, but I just find it funny that they go from, what am I? Oh, yes, I am this. Well, you know, Walter's looking in the mirror. Ben tightly packaged. Tightly packaged. Yes. Yeah, Jason yeah, Seagull's yeah. character, Gary, is on a tram, sitting in the rain. Isn't that enough to understand <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the deep Creative. complexities of one, one's identity? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I I like how clever it is. Yeah, I mean, so so Brett McKenzie cited, uh, he's already had a name check, Harry Nilsson's ballads as a key inspiration, such as Can't Live, uh, etc. And also Eric Carmen's All By Myself, which I think is very, uh, yeah, you can definitely oh, see yeah. that in there, uh, or hear that in there even. He also said that some people have noted a Randy Newman influence, which I, <gasps> maybe I can see a little bit of. You know, like this song from Toy Story One. Movies about a bug. <laughs> no, no, sorry. Yeah, not. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you've got a man in my. You've got a bug in me. Yeah, so if it, he he was uh, very uh, flattered by that influence uh, comparison, <laughs> <laughs> which he was like, I was a really big Brandy Newman fan. Is like, was it anyone? Was that a thing? Other than the fact that he did the Toy Story songs. Um, he said he wanted the song to be hilarious but beautiful, sincere but ridiculous, which I think is ultimately what it yes, achieved. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. exactly. But he also really warmed to the idea of people having this kind of crisis and driving around trying to figure it out, was what he was quoted as saying. So yeah, I don't know why he wants people to be having identity crises, but maybe it's something we all have to go through. There was an interview with him in the New York Times, and he said the more serious the song is, the funnier it would be. That was kind of where they wanted to go with it. That's why the chorus is just these relentless long notes. 
and he says it's at the top of Jason yeah. Segal's range. There's something about... Well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah you can hear that guy. You wouldn't see it. <laughs> you yeah. think? There's something about guys singing at the top of their range is really emotionally desperate. <laughs> While in key, I, I don't know if he, if he just was, like, screaming. screaming. <laughs> yeah. But I think that is... The, An unedited version. Yeah. I think I think it's the true success of this song, though, is how sincerely it's sung and played in the film when it's clearly, you know, nonsense. Um and that's why it works. It's a good point. So well, but it, it but it also does really feel like a proper pop ballad. It's 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 kind of just perfect, really, um, for what it does. So he's worked about Jim Parsons' cameo. Um, he described it as the role of a lifetime. But there were two other people considered for the role first. Um, okay. Okay. Do you want to try and guess who they are? Oh God, I'm trying to think of someone big bean sprout um, person. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy? Who played the? Oh God, I'm just, I'm just John Walters. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. All oh, right, I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah, um, the one who plays Zap in the. Uh, in... Yeah, I can't remember his yeah, name. It's John Walters, I think it was name. Yeah, it's John. Uh, Walters, he, he's John a Walters, famous director, sorry, yeah. isn't he? Directed Hairspray and uh, that fil- the film all of really? yeah, uh, yeah, famous director from that time period. Uh, no, they're both young, younger than that. I would say that on. one was very much an. A lot of films of that time, but not so much now. So maybe very similar to Jim Parsons. Oh, um, Ricky Gervais's friend. Oh no, Stephen Merchant. No, good guess. Um, I was thinking of Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah is the right answer. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, I could see Michael Sarah. The other one is Paul Rudd. Not as funny. Paul, which Rudd. I, which confused me as well. Michael Sarah can see probably wouldn't have been as good. Jim Parsons was better. Paul Rudd, I just don't get. Yeah. That feels like just getting somebody for the sake of having somebody in the world. Isn't Paul Rudd already like already plays that puppet in Mac and Me? <laughs> I don't think he's actually in that film. That's just a joke on Conan. <laughs> he is. Oh, he is. He is. The, he is Mac. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand Do you know the reference, reference Alex? but I can see that it's tickled you too. So <laughs> it's I'm like it's basically. I mean, you've got to you've got to watch the scene of it because he always asks to play. Like they cut away to a clip. Of like Paul Rudd or something in something, and it's always a clip from the film Mac and Me. Yeah, it's, it's like here's 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 a new trailer for Ant Man, <laughs> and it'll be a clip from Mac yeah, and Me. It's just the same the same clip from Mac and Me, which me, might mean not, means nothing until you've watched Wait, the scene. Alex, is this the thing where there's like a child rolling off a hill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen go. that. Yeah, because it was when every time he was interviewed by who's it Conan O'Brien or something, and every time yeah, it was yeah, that yeah. same yep. thing. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> it's been going for years now. <laughs> right. I don't know. He plays Max. <laughs> He's not really in that film, is he? <laughs> um, no. So, so to go back to the topic of uh, the conversation, uh, Madam Muppet did win Best Original Song at the Oscars. Although, and this is kind of related to what we were talking about with the Women's Euros, it it only had one competitor on the night. There was only two songs nominated for Best Original Song in 2000 and... Well, it would have been the 2012. I think it was the 84th Oscars. Uh, the other song was Real in Rio, which is from the film... Rio 2. There was a Rio yeah, 2? Yeah. Um, so I was looking into why there was only two, because I, I was like, there's surely something missed off. Because in some of the uh, research that I did, it said that Life's a Happy Song and Pictures in My Head were also nominated. But they were part of the 39-strong shortlist. But you, in order to be actually nominated on the night, you have to receive a required average score of 8.35 out of 10 on the votes, and only two songs received that. And that was Man on Muppet and Real in Rio, so that was why there was only two songs nominated, which I thought was interesting. Wow. Why didn't they call it Rio de Janeiro? Oh, God, Ben. 
Why didn't they? Maybe they did. I don't, or, or Rio Grande. Why weren't you guys on the team that were writing the title for the film? So I don't know. I was just waiting for you to stop talking so I could say that joke, Alex. <laughs> Ronnie James Rio? No, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> top five. I was very happy with last week's top five since it was very simple to p- prepare, very simple to do, and you couldn't argue it because it was facts. So we're staying on the line of facts. And who better to look at than my favourite smiling actor? Kermit. Jason, Jason Siegel. I'm interested in what are the top five box office films by Jason Siegel, and I am not counting animated films because that's just too difficult. So, actually, okay. him embodied, fake smiling, pretending to enjoy himself. What are the top five Jason? And you Siegel want them in order because it's going to be struggle based on worldwide <laughs> box office. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, for getting Sarah Marshall is the only film that came to, comes yeah, to mind. The Muppets, obviously. So yeah. you've already t- said the uh, box office revenue for the Muppets. 165 million, which is quite a lot mm-hmm. for a film starring Jason Siegel. <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall, yes, must be on that. Um, he's knocked up. Is he in that? Yeah, he's one of the st- like stone yeah, friends. He's one of the one of the friends. So that the four year engagement was a film that he I saw him in with Emily Blunt. Five. Five. Five what? Five year engagement, is that what it's called? So. Five year five year engagement. <laughs> I thought you said that was number five. The five year engagement, sorry. <laughs> it was four sequels to that film. The five, what the five year engagement five? He was in that TV show Freaks and Geeks, wasn't he? And then was he in that that film that was kind of the same people that was like summer? What you want about that wet hot American, hot American summer? summer? Yeah, no, I don't think he was in that. Um, the man has not been in a lot of films, obviously, because he's uh, you know at the bank. Um, so we've named four films. Okay, so you've named four films. What knocked up the Muppets? Forgetting Sarah Marshall and the five-year uh, engagement. Yeah, and he's obviously in something else. <laughs> he's, in lots of, he's in lots of other things. Lots of other things in the top oh, five, actually. Oh. Uh, was <laughs> Is there any franchise kind of films, big franchise films that he's in? No. Is he, is he like no. just like, oh, I Love You Man, that's a film that he's in. That's a good film. Oh, yeah. He's in yeah. I Love You Man. That yeah. one. Do you want to lock in those five films? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we should. <laughs> In what in what place? Because you might get a point based on placing. What order would you want to go well, in? Well, I would say that the Muppets are number one, just based on that number. Okay. Forgetting okay. Sarah Marshall is the next one I can think of that was really popular. Mm-hmm. Yep. Two. Yeah. Okay. So you got knocked up the five year engagement. Yeah, knocked up was massive, wasn't it? So knocked up. Yep. I love you, man. Yep. Five year engagement. Yep. Okay. Locked in. Zero points. Well done, guys. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the answers. It was that terrible. No. Um. Number one is Gulliver's Travels. The Jack Black terrible film. Jack Black film. It was two hundred and thirty-two million at the box office. Another film with Jack Black tied up. <laughs> I'm Jack Black. <laughs> Number two is knocked up. Bad teacher. Remember the film Bad uh, Teacher? Oh wait, that thing where He's bad neighbours was he in that? That thing with Jack, with uh, Zach Efron. He he was not now. Oh. No, who was that? Seth Rogen. The fourth is the Muppets. And the fifth was the worst film that was out there just to advertise the cloud, Sex Tape. Oh. A film literally to advertise a way to store your data. So so we actually only got one of the two. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I Love You Man, and The Five Year Engagement were not of a man that has like 12 films in this list. They were not in his top five. That's shocking. It is. It is. Yes. I'm surprised there were three films that he made that we didn't know. I Love You Man is a very, very good film though. I'm forgetting Sarah Marshall is a really good film as well. Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. The five, five Year Engagement was a pretty good film actually as well. Does he play a puppeteer in that? Yes, he does. Doesn't he do yeah, like he a like Drac- vampire, yeah, like, got, uh, yeah. like yeah, yeah, Dracula, yeah, yeah. Doctor Acula. 
I'm pretty sure he uses that joke at some point, and I think Scrubs deserves royalties. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time to figure out what is the best song of the movie, The Muppets. I think, well, I know this is a fight between two songs, really. It's Life's Happy Song versus Man on Muppet. So, Alex, go ahead. Um, The song that always really sticks in my head is Life is a Happy Song. I feel like as a song, Man on Muppet works better, which is probably why it's kind of... It's, it's the funnier of the two, and it's the one that's like a more of a rounded, compact verse, chorus, verse, bridge. You know, chorus, bridge, mm-hmm. chorus kind of situation. It works quite nicely. But I think the, the the one that I have like more of an emotional connection to is Life is Happy Song. So I think I'll go for that just to, you know, stir things up. Fair enough. Ben? Um, Alex is stirring. I'm serving it because it is Life is a Happy Song. I, I've been singing it all day. I just love the upbeat tempo of it. I love the crescendo that it hits. Once it gets going, it just feels like a proper musical song. I think it sets the film up to the point that it kind of cruises from there. As in a good thing, like I think it hits that point and just stays like there. I think if you didn't have that song, I think it, it's going to take a while for it to build. I think you start at the top. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been going back and forth since I watched it during this episode in my brain, which one to go for. So I'm kind of glad that the decision is out of my hands and can say that Life is a Happy Song is the official best song of the Muppets. If you hear anyone else claim differently, they haven't listened to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, people at the Academy who voted it. So that brings it into another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which one you think is the best song on Twitter. Who wants to say this week? Alex, what is our Twitter handle? TSFTM pod. Thank you. So you can help the podcast in many ways. One of those ways is on Reddit uh, by sharing this episode on the random subreddit. But Ben, what random subreddit should they pick this week? Oh gosh, uh, let me try and get like a six degrees of separation. Um, Charles Dickens. Popular subreddit. Okay, I can see the through line. So you can also help the podcast by telling all your friends, giving us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast, signing up to our Patreon, or buying our merch. All the links are in the show notes. So all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. All hail the hobo king. (laughs) (laughs) And goodbye from Ben. I honestly still can't believe they were able to ride with Smokesboard. <laughs> <laughs> so goodbye, everybody. Bye. Waka waka. Ah, how charming the finale. <laughs>